Welcome to Point Two Law Review. I'm John Brandt. And I'm Carson Messersmith. And we are here the week of September 5th, 2023 to September 8th, 2023. And uh, how's everything going? You know, surprisingly, given you know how terrible Nebraska football was, it's like... It's been nice, like having fall back. There was a quite a crisp in the air the last couple of days. Yeah, it was a little crispy with uh, wildfire smoke and things like yeah, that. Yeah, that that is no fun. I I can never remember in my lifetime when there's been so many days that have just been yeah. in a wildfire smog. That I mean, those fires in Canada must be terrible. Is that what's where I, these what are coming told. from? Yeah, okay, I'm told so that's these are what it is. continuing to come from Canada. Uh, any predictions for the weekend, Mr. Brand? Um, I hope it's a good game. I hope everybody stays healthy. I hope everybody has fun. I hope nobody gets hit in the head with any batteries. Well, since we haven't done a uh, a video aspect of this, you know, I am now noticing your tie is a little bit the wrong color given where uh, we're headed are in the you weekend. questioning my allegiance I'm just saying it's a big week uh yeah I, I very much want to see it but I also don't want to jinx it if we lose to Colorado Ugh. for the third time in a row I don't know if I can return to the state well you're gonna have to because we have to do this next week well I meant return to Colorado but yeah that's true oh return to that state yes okay return to the state to our west <laughs> okay so the the line is uh, plus or minus three prediction do we cover uh, or no. plus three no okay sorry okay well that's good okay well uh, I do want to thank the clerks uh, for making my life easier and uh just dumping on Carson. Bye. Yeah, I appreciate that. Now, every time you know that you drop either one or three opinions, or you know, just an odd number of opinions, and you put the hard ones yes. on one and three. Oh, that's just. Oh, how long was yours today? Oh, a, a, a whopping one hundred and twenty-nine pages. I mean, so I guess maybe we should say, you know, hats off. <laughs> oh yeah, to the the individuals that went through all this evidence, the individuals wrote this opinion, especially for what the cursory glance that I'm going to give it. Yeah. I'm going to give the kudos now yeah that's a uh that's a word document you saved twice <laughs> you have a backup yeah we're, we are uploading this somewhere if this, <laughs> this gets is... lost i am walking out and i am leaving <laughs> there's backups of backups <laughs> by each day uh you touch that file okay uh let's start with the next parte summary you got the only one right yes so state versus garcia murder appeal all right, and that's the first case. And just so everybody knows, if you hear me talking or something, I'm actually going to try and do some work. <laughs> while yeah, we're work midstream. Well. Uh, I mean, I'm going to walk and chew gum at the same time. You know what? After last week, we were a little late getting the pod out. Yeah. We are doing whatever it takes to bring the pod weekly to the yes. All right, to the we'll, masses. We'll get it done. Let's start with that. Uh, State v. Garcia, and go ahead, Carson. Okay, so State versus Garcia, and I think this is one that, again, like last week's case, is probably going to um, remind a lot of people it was it was such a famous case and, and such a uh, big, horrible, um, tragic event at the time. Uh, so this is the case regarding Anthony Garcia um, and the four murders that happened in Omaha. And just to refresh everyone's recollection or um, individuals who may not have heard about this case before. So the first incident happens in 2008 when um, 
William Hunter, who is the father of uh, Thomas Hunter, uh, discovers that his son um, and their uh, house cleaner, Shirley Sherman, had uh, been murdered in their home in Omaha. Um, and, and so at that point in time, they had been uh, killed. They'd been both killed with um, knives. Um, and police basically at that time you know, leave this as an open homicide and, and aren't able to solve at that point in time uh, who committed this crime and what exactly happened. And so then five years later, on May 14th of 2013, um, Roger Brumbach and Mary Brumbach's bodies are discovered again in Omaha. And they were uh, stabbed, and then Roger was also shot. And so at that point in time, law enforcement make the connection between uh, the Hunters and then uh, Roger Brumbach, uh, that they worked and were employed at Creighton University in the pathology department. And that is what leads them towards uh, actually dealing with the issue of who committed this crime, and eventually to Anthony Garcia. And so they find him, uh, they charge him with these four counts of murder, and then also multiple other uh, weapons violations. And so the uh, trial that surrounds here, and there there actually uh, is quite a bit of, um, I guess, consternation and issues regarding even the pretrial matters. And that was created because there were uh, three attorneys who came in pro hoc vice. Uh, there's a little Latin for us on this fine Friday morning. Um, they came in pro hoc vice. The uh, Moda family came in to represent Garcia. And at one point in time, uh, one of the Modas had her uh, pro hoc vice status revoked. And so only two went forward actually on the trial. And so the trial happens in 2016. Uh, Garcia is convicted. Um, there were uh, aggravating factors that were found. Uh, he was represented then at the um, enhancement hearings and eventually um, a three judge panel sentences him to death. And so this appeal is coming from that. And again, I'm not going to, um, you know, go through all of this opinion. There is a ton of background. There's a lot of interesting things regarding the ineffective assistance of counsel claims because uh, the Modas have this uh, super high um, national presence and media presence. And so there were national interviews and things that are now alleged to be ineffective assistance of counsel. And so that's, uh, you know, an interesting piece that happens there. Um, and then, you know, the, there's just so many uh, things with a trial like this, evidentiary issues, um, jury instruction issues, uh, discovery issues, and then just, um, you know, like I said, an absolutely, you know, just a monotony of ineffective uh, assistance of counsel claims because of how big of a trial this was, because of how many uh, issues there were, and, and just so many uh, claims. So they, again, cover all those things. They also go in-depth on the aggravating factors and the mitigating factors, what counts as a mitigating factor, what doesn't count as a mitigating factor, because there were multiple things uh, that Mr. Garcia tried to use as mitigating factors that did not end up counting. Um, and then also there was uh, one factor that was taking, taken into consideration that shouldn't have been or didn't need to be uh, taken into consideration but ended up being harmless error. And, you know, the, the general gist of this is that, um, you know, it was a, a terrible tragedy um, and, and our uh, Supreme Court uh, found that there was no error uh, by the lower court and affirmed or by the, the three-judge panel and also affirmed uh, the death sentence. Okay, is that it for Nebraska Supreme Court this week? I think that is it for the Nebraska Supreme Court this week. Well, then we go to the Nebraska Court of Appeals, and it's all you, right? 
man, this is starting to become a common theme. All right, right back to my voice. Okay. So, um, and I'm going to butcher this name, Auxier versus Auxier. And what this is, is a, an appeal from the District Court of Richardson County uh, regarding a premarital agreement um, and provisions of that premarital agreement. The District Court had um, found that the premarital agreement was enforceable, but found that the alimony provisions were unconscionable. And so the history here is that... Um, the the two um, individuals were married in 2011. At that point in time, uh, the man, Mr. Buckley, was uh, 50 years old and the woman was 39 years old. And so uh, we're a little bit older later in life. So they execute execute this premarital agreement the day before the wedding. And basically, a lot of evidence comes in at the, the time about what the values of their individual property were, uh, that they put them in that statement, and then that the thought was that those things uh, that came uh, into the marriage that were premarital assets would remain with the individual that they started the marriage with. And then the other issue was uh, regarding this alimony provision. And so there was a lot of testimony. There was a lot of testimony actually even from the attorney who drafted the premarital agreement and talking about how both parties had at least uh, 30 days adequate opportunity to have independent counsel. Um, and, you know, there were some uh, discrepancies essentially in the facts and what exactly this looked like. Uh, but basically here, um, the circumstances seem to indicate that there was um, that there was an ability to review this premarital agreement prior to signing uh, by both parties and that both parties had uh, a fair and adequate opportunity uh, to evaluate it. And so we, we go through the statute and the big issue here is whether or not the alimony provision and, and waiving that right to alimony was unconscionable. And so, um, here the the court of appeals goes through the analysis and the big part here is that the unconscionableness is to be assessed at the time the agreement is executed and so um the district court had gone through a lot of things basically looking at the fact that now natalie was disabled she didn't have that much money she was you know potentially unable to care for herself and things of that nature and basically what the court of appeals finds here is that when the premarital agreement is signed, that's when we look at if it is uh, conscionable or unconscionable. And so uh, the Court of Appeals actually here finds uh, that that it was error um, in finding the alimony provision of the premarital agreement unconscionable. And so they reverse on that issue. Um, and then they also uh, affirm on the uh, rest of it. So they find that that alimony or that the uh, premarital agreement was enforceable and then also found that the alimony provision uh, should have been found enforceable. And so uh, this is a published case. This is one of those cases maybe where if you're drafting uh, those premarital agreements, you take a look at it or maybe also one of those cases if you uh, have a premarital agreement that's going to be at issue and you're wanting to raise some uh, issue of unconscionability or something like that, one of those cases to take a glance at. All right. That sounds good. I got one here. This is Perlman v. Perlman. This is a uh, custody modification pro se appeal. Um, <clears throat> the issue here is uh, mom had sole legal and physical custody. Um, she moved to Fairbury during one of the modification hearings and they were still able to make uh, an overnight during the week work for, for dad every couple weeks. And then they modified 
that um, and they sought to modify it again. The dad sought it to modify it again because mom uh, unilaterally moved from Fairbury to Lincoln, uh, which made those uh, weeknight overnights unfeasible from his standpoint. They had a trial on that. Judge modified um, certain things regarding the uh, overnight visitation and, and expanded summer visitation for the um dad in this instance the appeal basically um, consists of the father taking issue with the fact that the mother didn't have uh, the farnsworth factors for moving intrastate um, she moved out of state um, and um, if she would have moved out of state she would have had it have a legitimate reason for moving here she just moved to lincoln just to move to lincoln uh, but the children were doing very well there the court said so there was no applicability of the farnsworth factors there was no um, other issues uh, regarding that um, move so they found that the uh, changes that they made during the week were sufficient and the the primary the mother didn't have to have a legitimate reason for moving to Lincoln intrastate. So you can basically move wherever you want intrastate. The only question at that point becomes uh, what's in the children's best interest. So there were uh, factors there. There was a uh, complaint as far as the father is concerned um, that there weren't specific factual determinations, but the um, factual determinations weren't requested. You have to request those prior to submission uh, if you want the court to give uh, specific factual information regarding best interests or other factors. So um, that is that. The pro se appeal was affirmed um, regarding the modifications that the court did make. Um, it's worth it uh, to at least look at the Farnsworth indications. And if you have a client who you know wants to move in state, you know you can move from Fairbury to Scotts Bluff uh, if you do have um, a sufficient uh, best interest information to do that you don't necessarily need a legitimate reason to move but that would of course um, affect a, a parenting plan and may result in a modification so i think that's it i think we're done you can't roller skate in a buffalo all right that's it for this week uh you know what I picture when that comes on? Do you, do you What's know? that? Roger Miller? No. What? The, um, well, uh, yeah, the, the, well, it's, yeah, that's PG. The jackass where uh, Johnny oh. Knoxville is roller skating and then he gets ran over by a buffalo. Yeah, it's a... Uh, he said that was the most damaging injury he took <laughs> really? of anything was getting hit by the buffalo. That guy's been hit a lot. Yeah. And I don't know. I just thought it was apropos. I think it fits, yeah. We can't go in there and roller skate. Nope. You can't. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's it for this week. Uh, let's see. Uh, point two Law Review brought to you by Anderson, Klein, Brewster, and Brandt. we got offices in Minden, Holdridge, and Kearney. Um, let's hope we have some good news next week. Yeah. I, I, you know what? we got to be cautiously optimistic. It's got to turn it. at some point. So. Absolutely. Let's have a great week, everybody. See you next week. See you next week. Mine too. You can't drive around with a tiger in your car. You can't drive around with a tiger in your car. You can't drive around with a tiger in your car. But you can be happy if you mind too.